Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the Busy Mom Podcast. Merry Christmas. Today is Friday, December 22nd. And as promised, I have a special guest on the podcast today. My friend Alexandra Kirkendall is here to talk about her book, Loving My Actual Christmas. So stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. I've been talking about this book several times on the podcast last week, so I hope you guys have been um, checking it out over at Amazon. Uh, We're really close to Christmas today, and Alex has written a fantastic book that I think is going to encourage you and bless you and hopefully um, help you not to lose your mind. So uh, without further ado, because we've got so many things to talk about today, welcome to the podcast, Alex. I'm so glad that you're here. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for making the time. You and I have had a little bit of a a little bit of a, a time, a circus actually, uh trying to get you on here. So I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. Well, I'm learning that if you have a Christmas book, you get busy at Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> so are you loving so here's the, the first question. Are you loving your actual Christmas this year in the middle of all this stuff? Well, I will say today I have a little bit of stress uh because I have been traveling some and doing some speaking things and interviews and all that. Yeah. And this is my week leading up to Christmas. Um, You know, just I'm trying to cram a lot in. But what I've learned is that I need to let a lot go. So Mm. I'm just going to get done what I can get done. And I'm really going to make time for the things that I really want to do with my kids. Yeah. Yeah. I totally hear you. And tonight I've got a... um... My daughter Sailor is singing in a big Christmas performance uh, downtown, so we're we're going to be going to do that as a family. But I'll tell you what we've we have I've sort of embraced uh, my minimalist uh, Christmaser this Christmas, <laughs> and and I think I'm actually um, loving my actual Christmas better that way. So yeah, um, I think sometimes it's okay. It's just seasons to do that. So t- so first of all, let's. This is what I always do on the podcast. Um, cause there's a lot of, of mamas listening to this today and you're a mom, you have four girls. Um, tell me a little bit about your family. Well, we live in Denver right near downtown uh, and my husband, Mile High City. Uh, yes, Mile High City. Um, my husband runs a ministry here in town, uh, called Providence Network and they provide transitional housing to people coming out of homelessness. Very good. So. He works a lot with people who are in addictions, recovery, or leaving domestic violence. Mm. Those are kind of their target groups. And he does that all day. And I have kids at three different schools because of the age span I have. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, living in the city, everything's really close to me geographically. Yes. So my kids are within a mile of me. And I so I spend a lot of time in the car on quick little trips, picking up, dropping off. And in between, I do some writing and <laughs> in between, you I make do a, a podcast and write yeah. books. Yeah. And yeah. I do a podcast with my friend, Krista Gilbert. That's right. Over, and what's the name of your podcast? I'm going to send my people there. It's called The Open Door Sisterhood. Um, the Open Door Sisterhood. And what are you guys talking about over there? Well, we do a combination of practical and inspirational. So sometimes we highlight a woman and the doors that God is opening for her and how she's walking through them and her journey in that. And sometimes we cover a topic and are a little more practical. Very cool. 
So you have, you have your book, Loving My Actual Christmas is, um, you is kind of an experiment. You, you caught, you said an experiment in sort of relishing the season. And I know, um, because I, because I think every mom can sort of relate to this. Um, Christmas is busy. Like we, we have, you know, our normal life that we're trying to get done. And then you, you add on, uh, the financial stress and you add on the stress of, you know, three times your normal activities, um, around, you know, your family and cooking and please, you know, mom, can you make seven dozen cookies for the cookie exchange at school and all of that. And then you're trying, we're trying to sort of balance relationships that might be stressed out. So, uh, so you have divided this book up into three sections. I think we're going to focus because we're so close to Christmas now. I think we're, we'll focus on the last half of it. But before we do that, can you give give our listeners just a little taste of why you wrote the book, sort of how it came out and what's in it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you're right. The baseline of my life is busy, probably too busy, really. And a few years ago, my youngest was a toddler, which means that I was just exhausted all the time anyway, because I think having a toddler is uh, stressful because you're vigilant. You're never off. You're always on attention. Uh, But I was also working part-time outside the home. I worked for Mops International a number of years, and it's based here in Denver. So I was going into the office, and then Christmas happened, and all of the extras on top of my normal exhausted baseline. So the cooking, decorating, shopping, wrapping. We had people staying with us from out of town, and I ended the season exhausted and a little bit resentful that I had made Christmas what it was. And I realized that there was a lot of self-induced stress in there. And so I started talking to other moms about how do you do this? How do you manage Christmas? And some common stressors started to come to the surface that I was hearing over and over from people. And those were uh, money, schedule, and extended family. So as I started diving into those, I just started collecting suggestions that people had on how to manage those parts of Christmas and that part of Christmas stress. But then I also started hearing kind of a deeper grief that people often experience during the holidays. And that, I think, is because Christmas is an annual marker. So we can picture where we were a year ago at Christmas time, most of us. If I say, where were you Christmas morning last year? Most of us know right away. And that can take us back to our hopes for the year, where we were emotionally, what our dreams were for 2017. And because we're back around at Christmas again, we can start to feel some disappointment in whatever area of our life is difficult. So There's something about the holidays that brings the hard parts of our life to the surface. If something is hard, but we're able to either ignore it or suppress it or just manage it um, throughout the year, sometimes at the holidays, it just feels unbearable or much more difficult. So there's kind of two parts to, I think, the Christmas difficult. There's the stress that we can have some control over and we can make some real intentional decisions around. And then there's the grief that often is out of our control, but we need to dig into why we do Christmas, even when life is not going as we would hope or want. Hmm. And honestly, it, it kind of rarely does, right? I mean, it, it rarely does. Right. We, 
I think um I think if I could be so bold, I think you should add Christmas pictures should be its own like category on there. <laughs> <laughs> we just did our Christmas pictures last week and right before we did it, my grandson uh threw up everywhere and we're out there, you know, all 15 of us or whatever. You know, I have a huge family and trying to get this picture. And then right right after that, then his little brother got it. Then my youngest, my seven-year-old, she started throwing up. And we took like 150, you know, 167 pictures and three of them look sort of okay. And my right. daughter and I were <laughs> laughing about it the other day. We're like, this is real life. You know, this is yeah. this is kind of what it is. And you have to sort of, you know, because she was saying, well, I don't even know if I want to use these pictures because look, you know you know, Noah looks terrible. Well, because he was getting ready to throw up, <laughs> you know, it looks terrible. And I told Spanna, I'm like, maybe we should just, maybe this should just be a memory that's funny. Like we'll look back on this next, next year and we'll, we'll laugh because this is funny, but in the moment it's hard, it's difficult. And you're thinking, man, we're trying to make memories. We want Christmas to be so good, but our expectations are way up there. And that's not, typically that's not reality, right? Right. And so I really, begin the book talking about expectations, because that is so much of the rub at Christmas time is we have often we don't even know we have expectations, specific ones until things start to unravel. So for example, your Christmas card photo shoot, you probably didn't weren't thinking consciously like, I really want this to be a beautiful time for us to be together (laughs) until things start unraveling. And you think, wait, this isn't how I pictured it. And that is, I think, true for so much of Christmas is until we articulate our expectations, we can't really tackle them or even evaluate whether they're realistic. So yeah. the first thing I have people do in this experiment, if they want to go along with me, is to just write down their expectations. Mm. And then if you do Christmas with other people, which most of us do, to talk to other people about what their expectations are and what your expectations are. Now, we're really late in the season. So this may be hard at this point to be talking, (laughs) you know, on the 23rd and 24th about expectations. (laughs) But as you're evaluating your Christmas this year, think about what is going well, or after the 25th, what went well? And what would I like to change next year? And start talking to people about it in January, when the memory is still fresh, the difficult maybe is still fresh, and people aren't already investing deeply into their plans for Christmas 2018. So I think the earlier we can have those conversations about wanting things to change or about expectations, then the better it's going to go. Yeah, that's totally right. And I think if you've got an opportunity to embrace, you know, because th- we still do, right? It's still a couple of days before Christmas. And I know that there's, um, that there are, there's nervousness kind of about what's going to happen. Sort of the, the, you know, managing the, um, your heart, I guess. Um, I think for me, my husband and I had this conversation years ago, um, because of just some stress in my extended family. And I remember my, my husband telling me something was so good. He was like, Heidi, maybe we need to really pray that the Lord, you know, the Holy Spirit would, would um, fill you in such a way that even those difficult places become manageable because you're looking ahead and you're saying, Father, help me manage my emotions. Help me um, guard my heart if that's what needs to happen. Like, you know, I think sometimes we feel those walls sort of go up and sometimes they need to go up and um, sometimes they don't. And so um, his his uh, 
just his loving like admonition to me was um, walk in step with the spirit and don't like, we're not trying to stuff this emotion or say that it's not actually there, but um, really lean into the Lord. And when you, when you talk to, to, um, to women about managing their emotional stress at Christmas, because let's be honest, it's like, I mean, the, the, the expectation is an emotional stress too. Um, Mm -hmm. What, what are some, some ways that you can, uh, that you would say, to a mom who is just dreading actual Christmas day because there's going to, she knows there's going to be tension in the family. Um, I think things Mm -hmm. are particularly hard when um, extended family comes over and people have different political points of view. They come from um, different religious backgrounds. Um, And so there can be stress at at home and, you know, in your home and you're trying to host this thing. And so Mm -hmm. where, what is it that can you come alongside some of these moms and say, Hey, here's some ideas. Here's some practical ways that you can sort of manage your emotional expectations for Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can. You know, sometimes people push your buttons unintentionally, and sometimes it's intentionally. And sometimes we fall back into family patterns with siblings, even though we're all adults. Um, we get frustrated with how our brother talks to us or his wife or um, our dad, or it doesn't matter. We, we sometimes have patterns that we're dreading, and because we are convinced that we're going to step back into them, we just do. So my biggest tip is to believe the best in the people that you're going to be spending time with, as in believe the best in their intentions. You may not agree with them on everything, and likely you won't because we're complex people. There are very few people that I agree with on everything. Right. And um, so recognize that their intentions and their motives generally tend to be good. And if you have a rub with someone in your family or you're anticipating that, then do your best to not walk into the situation with your fists already up and ready for a fight. And if we think about the purpose of Christmas – God so loved the world that he came as a baby to give us grace. So truly the Christmas spirit is one of extending grace to others. And because we have received God's grace in abundance, we can then overflow and extend grace to others. So if we're going into a situation that we suspect is going to be difficult and we have the mindset of I'm going to believe the best in this person, um, and it helps even to make a list of traits that you love about them or memories that you have that are positive to kind of recalibrate your mindset and then ask God to help you in the department of extending grace. Um, I think that's really helpful. And I would also say if you know that there are certain topics that are just going to be contentious, avoid them. It may be that there are some things that need to be worked out as a family. Um, you know, maybe that's not political or religious, but just family history, dynamics, patterns of behavior. But is Christmas Day really the best day to be working that out? And if there's something that needs to be worked on, consider when would be a good time for me to either approach another person about this topic or address this topic with a larger group. My guess is probably Christmas isn't going to be the best time, but have a plan in your mind so that you know, okay, I am going to address this, but it's going to be in January. I love that. For this year, um, what we're doing, well, I told you, we're having a more mellow Christmas. I had like 50 people here for Thanksgiving. And so, wow. for, I know, right? Whoa. And so 
for Christmas, we're just doing our immediate family and we're going to play games and we're just going to, we're just going to chill out, you know? And I think it, it doesn't have to be this big extravaganza. And maybe sometimes we can, we can take some of that stress away. And I don't know if, if that's been helpful, if that's something that you've done over the past, or if you've heard from other people who just said, you know what, I'm going to lower my expectation. I'm going to lower them emotionally. I'm going to lower mm-hmm. it um, with, with what we're actually doing on Christmas so that we can really enjoy it. Um, and then maybe, just maybe, we can relish a little bit of the joy of the season instead of feeling so stressed out by it. Right. And, you know, this is the time of year, the last few days leading up to Christmas, where we tend to kind of go into panic mode, where we say, okay, forget the budget. I'm just going to go to Walmart and buy a hundred stocking stuffers for everyone because it's the last week of Christmas. So I have permission to do that. Or um, I'm just going to stay up until two in the morning wrapping gifts. And if I'm exhausted Christmas morning, so be it. But we don't have to operate that way. We can say, you know, if I'm going to, um, to ask my kids to help me wrap some gifts for their siblings. So what if, they already know what their brothers and sisters <laughs> are going right. to get. Um, it's just going to keep me sane. And I'm going to love Christmas morning a little more if I have more than five hours of sleep. Yeah. Um, but my pastor was good. Um, he was doing a sermon series around the book this uh, holiday season. And he did one on money and gift giving. And he said, you know, I often find that my emotional gift giving is triggered when I'm in a hard place relationally with someone. Mm. So if I feel like I need to buy one more gift, which for me is always these last few days before Christmas, right, yeah. I just need to get one more thing, one more thing. Well, and it's Friday. So everyone's thinking, okay, well, I've got the whole weekend. I've got today. I've got Friday. I got Saturday. <laughs> I've even got Sunday because Christmas isn't actually until Monday. And it really is. You're exactly right. I've done it myself a hundred times. Run down to Walmart you know, two days before and you just think, oh, forget it. I'm, you know, I don't want to be the mm-hmm. Grinch this year. And and the pressure is enormous. Mm-hmm. And really to check yourself and say, why am I feeling this impulse to get one more thing for this person? And if it is because there is a relational tension there, then don't buy the gift and make a plan for how you're going to address that tension in 2018. Mm-hmm. And if it's out of guilt which I think for many parents who are really busy, whether they travel for work or they just don't feel like they're giving their kids the time and attention that they need. Mm-hmm. If that's your motivator, then address that in 2018 instead of buying one more thing. That's so good. And I think it gives these, it's going to give us some freedom because really, you know, I, I, we think back on the Christmases that we've had, uh, oh, as a, as a family and, uh, the best Christmases that we've had have not, they've, it's not been about the things that we got. It was about the the memories that we made or just doing something simple like watching a Christmas movie and popping popcorn and being intentional about spending time uh, with the ones that we love and communicating that love, you know, through um, whatever, you know, it's quality time. I think the, the, you know, we always talk about the five love languages here at our house. And I have two children who definitely their love language is gifts. And you can always tell because they're the ones who are, you know, they're making the the paper crafts and making their little homemade gifts for Christmas. They start that in August. <laughs> and then you've got uh, some of my other kids who are quality time. Um, I am an acts of service girl. And so I wait until 
you know, my love language is um, cleaning the kitchen, <laughs> making sure the house looks good for Christmas. And I think one of the things that has been helpful to us is to incorporate the gifts. I love your idea of letting, like if you have a child whose um, love language is gifts, bring them in on the on the gifting process. And maybe that's the child that you say, hey, would you like to help me wrap gifts? Because they're going to love it. The, um, maybe the the child who's, whose love language is quality time is going to be like, I don't want to help you wrap gifts, <laughs> right? Um, but the person who really loves the gifting process might consider that an, a way for um, them to spend time with you. So uh, I did this with my daughter last year and we sort of, we binged watched like one of our, in, like an entire season of The Crown. And, uh, you know, I just put, I brought up some hot chocolate and we, you know, we made a huge mess in the master bedroom, but we had so much fun you know, binge watching the crown. And then all of a sudden the gift wrapping thing was a delight instead of a drudgery. And so maybe just looking at, at those things and then learning, say, Lord, help me. Like, I, you know, I, because really we can't enjoy our actual Christmas without the Lord really present in through the whole thing. He knows how busy I, I think we are as well. Right. And really he did not come so that we would be stressed about gift wrapping. Right. That is not why he came. <laughs> and so if we reconsider the whole purpose of Christmas, I mean, that gets us to kind of the deeper level because we've been talking some about the self-induced stress that we have some control over. But if we get to the deeper purpose behind the holiday, it's for us to remember every year that God loved us to the point that he pursued us mm. in this way. And that's the annual marker. Yeah. That we are striving for and are yearning for. And that's why I think truly we all have this high expectation around the holiday season because there's something in us that knows it's that hope and that expectation that something good is going to happen. And that good is the good news that Jesus came mm -hmm. and that he pursued us and continues to pursue us. You know, as far as um, simplifying, I tell moms all the time, the question that really framed my experiment overall was, what do I want to remember a year from now or 10 years from now about this Christmas? And what do I want my children to remember a year from now, 10 years from now? Mm -hmm. And almost always, it has to do with spending time together and with creating a sense of safety and love within our homes. So, that really doesn't cost us anything mm -hmm. other than our time. Yeah, that's right. And really that, what that at the end of the day, that's going to be what your kids will remember. They're, I'm always telling, you know, I'm always telling this to homeschool moms. When, when you get to the end of your homeschool um, season with your children, do you want them to remember that you are this screaming, yelling, impatient, <laughs> always upset, you know, mother? And of course, none of us want, <laughs> we don't want that. And so then, then it becomes incumbent upon me to sort of look at myself in the mirror and say, all right, if this is what I want my kids to remember me as, if I want them to remember that I loved them and that I was patient with them, then I can start here to really make that thing happen. And the same thing is true for Christmas. I love, love, love the heart behind uh, this book and your heart for families in the Christmas season. Yeah. Well, it is amazing how much of us forget. And those of us who are following Christ, I mean, we get wrapped up in the whirlwind of the fun and all of these fun things, they, they are good things. It's just anything good in excess becomes a burden yes. and becomes unhealthy. Yeah. So don't hear me saying 
do away with gingerbread men because they're terrible. No, gingerbread men can be fine as long as you're not trying to cram a hundred other things in in the next three days as well, because your children will be stressed and exhausted yeah. and you'll be stressed and exhausted. Yeah, that's exactly right. I did see uh, for everybody who's uh, who's building the gingerbread houses, like building gingerbread houses with toddlers is just, I think we should just not do it. I think we should just buy them already done and take pictures with them. But I saw this great meme come across my uh, social media the other day, and it was talking about what to do when your gingerbread house is a fail, right? So you, you try and, the you know, I mean, we've, I've had kids over the years. My oldest is 26, and I can remember, you know, when I first started doing it with the kids, um, they were fighting over who's, who got the most gumdrops. And anyway, so we've we've sort of figured th- that out, but I haven't quite figured out what to do with the gingerbread house fail yet. And this lady put a toy dinosaur on top of it, looked like he was eating the house. Hilarious. All of a sudden, the gingerbread fail became something that was funny. <laughs> so lots of different ways to approach uh, the failures that we get, you know, that that when they don't turn out Pinterest perfect, which really they they rarely do. Right. And again, then the question is, what was the point behind this activity? Was it to create something beautiful that we can post on Instagram? Or was it to have fun with our kids? Right. Yeah, and exactly if we have right. fun, it doesn't matter what it looks like. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's totally good. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for coming on the podcast with me today. I have just enjoyed having you here. Oh, thanks for having me, and have a very merry Christmas. Thank you. You too. We are gonna we are gonna actually uh, really work at loving our actual Christmas this year. And I appreciate your heart so much. If you guys are interested in finding out more about Alexandra's book, Loving My Actual Christmas, I will link back to it in the show notes today. I will actually link back to all things Alexandra Kirkendall at the show notes today. So you can find out about the other books that she's written and her podcast. Um, She just has a sweet spirit and a heart for moms. And I think you're going to be really blessed and encouraged. For everybody else, I'm going to be taking a break from the podcast on Christmas Day. So I will not be coming to you on Monday. I hope you guys have a very Merry Christmas with your families. Enjoy it. Make some memories. And remember to keep the Lord at the center of your Christmas celebration this year. Have a Merry Christmas, everybody. I'll see you back here on Wednesday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.